Hello, everyone. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I just thought I would come with you come to tonight or this morning, however you want to say it, and just say, praise God, Jesus is risen. Uh, welcome to Fire Talk Radio. And I just want to share with you a message uh, that the Lord has given me. And I pray that you are blessed. I'm going to be quoting a lot of scripture, so if you are a note taker, get your pens and papers out. In Matthew twenty-seven forty-five, it reads, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. My pastor often says that during this darkness, it was like God closed the curtains on earth because he could not look upon Jesus who bore every sin, past, present, and future. At verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knows what it is like to feel forsaken and abandoned. For the first time in his life, Jesus would be separated from his father because Jesus was carrying the sins of the world. A holy God could not look upon the unholy. What anguish that must have been for Jesus to be separated from the very one he called Father. The feeling of total abandonment. Let's pick up at verse 47. Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top bottom. You may ask, what is the significance of the veil of the Jewish temple being ripped in half from top to bottom? The veil in this passage refers to the curtain separating the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, from the rest of the temple. The Holy of Holies was off limits for everyone except for the high priest on the annual Day of Atonement. A full account of this is given in Leviticus 16. The Holy of Holies contained the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat. Josephus reported that this veil was four inches thick. It was changed every year and that horses tied to each side could not pull it apart. With the ripping of the veil, the way of access to God was opened 
and made available to all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Every believer in Jesus can come directly to God through his shed blood. We do not need any priest or intermediary or go-between. The way has been opened for every believer. How awesome is that? We don't need a go-between. We don't need an intermediator. We don't need a, any priest. We don't need a go-between anymore. We can go directly to God because of Jesus and his shed blood. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 9, 6 to 8 explains, Now when those things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, but into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. We don't have to pass through the veil. It is gone. Oh, the blood of Jesus is the way of entry. Hebrews 10, 19-20 reads this truth. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. The ripping of this veil or curtain from top to bottom suggests that this is something that God has done. Had the veil been ripped from the bottom within the reach of men to the top, that would suggest that this ripping and tearing was something that man had done. God was and still is fully satisfied with a propitiatory sacrifice that Jesus Christ has offered. God has accepted the death of Christ, and consequently God, by his grace and mercy, has removed that veil. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for removing that veil. This is also suggested by the fact that the veil could only be ripped into with great effort because of its thickness and because of the way it was constructed i.e. with several layers of matted veils that it was ripped without difficulty suggests that it was indeed God's work. Let's pick up at the end of verse 51. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep basically died, were raised. And coming out of the grave after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Romans eight eleven says, 
But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Can you imagine going about your daily routine and bumping into King David or Abraham, Isaac, or even Jacob, or any other of the Old Testament saints who died under the Old Covenant? That is how powerful the resurrection of Jesus is. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Resurrection power. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pick up in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-four. So, when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Now, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself also became a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Jesus had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other woman sitting opposite the tomb. Can you imagine how hard it was emotionally on these dear ones to prepare Jesus' body? They loved him so much and had to watch him die such a horrific death. That had to have been so hard to watch somebody you love die for, for, I mean, they were innocent and they, they were, they were, it just had to have been so hard. Let's pick up in verse 62 now. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. 
So the last deception will be worse than the first. That kind of bothers me that he's saying how that deceiver said. Jesus is not a deceiver. Being that were deceived. Jesus wasn't a deceiver. These people were deceived. Now, uh, carrying on with verse 65, Jesus said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard Matthew 28.1 Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it, his countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. These guards were so overcome by the glory of God, they fell under the power of God. Hold your place in Matthew and go with me to the book of John. In John 20:16, Jesus reveals himself to Mary after she is frantically searching for his missing body. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Jesus could not let Mary touch him, for it would defile him, and he had not yet sprinkled his blood On the heavenly mercy seat. You can read all about this in greater detail. In greater detail, by reading the entire chapter of Hebrews nine. I'm going to be right. In Hebrews nine twenty four Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. That is God the Father. Jesus took his shed blood to heaven present unto the Father by applying it to the mercy seat. This is why Jesus said to Mary in John twenty seventeen, 
Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. The blood couldn't be tainted. Turn back with me to Matthew 28, 5. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Talk about night and day. One minute they buried Jesus in a tomb and they're so sorrowful and mourning and and just and beyond themselves with grief. And then the next minute, they're listening to angels tell them the good news that Jesus has has resurrected. They were so jubilant that they ran to tell the disciples that Jesus had risen from the dead. That is so cool. Now, jump down with me to verse 16. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Leading to leading people to Jesus and discipling them is the responsibility of every single Christian. Discipling every person you lead to Jesus may not always be possible. This is when you trust the Holy Spirit to lead them to the right people to disciple them. Jesus shows himself with many infallible proofs in the book of Acts, chapter 1. Well, not just in chapter 1, but the whole, just follow along. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs 
being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to watch for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know times or seasons the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now that power is dunamis power, the same word that we get the the same that we get the word dynamite from dunamis power. You shall receive power. Power that's dynamite. Hallelujah. Now, in verse 9, it says, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Oh, hallelujah, how we wait long for that day and wait for that day of Jesus' second coming. But until then, we have to occupy until he comes again. Jesus will definitely come again in glory to take his beloved bride, the body of Christ, to be with him forever in heaven. Revelation 1, 5-7 reads, And for Jesus Christ, the faithful, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so. Amen. 
Even so, come quickly. That is so, so awesome. That Jesus is going to come again. He's going to come back for his church. For those who are without spot or blemish. Those who have no sin. Or we're all going to have sin, but we just repent of it and ask the Lord to forgive us. How he loves us so. How wonderful is he. So grateful for God coming, the word made flesh. I'm so grateful for Jesus being obedient to the point of death. I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit who came to be with us. Well, that's all I had on my heart to share right now. To let you know that God does love you and he has a great plan for your life. And if you're not sure right now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you would go to heaven, the Holy Bible reads that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you want to make sure you're going to go to heaven, if you were to die right now, or you want to rededicate your life, or the devil's always lying to you, telling you you're not saved, just mean it with your heart to be sure. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead and are coming back again for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost and a hunger for the things of God and a holy boldness to preach the gospel, Jesus Christ. I am saved. I am born again. And I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. And I want to tell you right now, my friend, if you pray that prayer and you meant it from your heart, all all of your sins are forgiven you. Always remember to run to God and not from God because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you so very much. He has a great plan for your life. If you have any prayer requests or comments or questions, go to our email at firetalkradio and the number two at yahoo.com. And you can go to revival.com. And if you have prayer requests, go to 866-857-4837. And remember that God loves you. And until we meet again, know 
that you are loved, you are valued, and you're priceless and precious in the sight of God. So priceless and precious are you to him that he sent Jesus to be so that you could be with him and I could be with him forever. Until we meet again, we've got about 10 seconds to go. Know that you are loved. You are loved. You are valued. Until we meet again.